Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. Hi, greetings. Welcome in on a new week. Monday morning, September 25th, 2023. It is 6.07 in the morning. 53 degrees in the capital city right now, and uh, we are in fall officially now, although, uh, I don't know, I don't know the, might feel for feel like it for a few days here, but I'm telling you, Mark, we are uh, back in mid-90s by the end of the week. Oh, Mark's not in that. Mark will be back in the mid-90s by next week, and that'll, that'll warm things up significantly, both Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday could be touching the 90s as well. So, uh, yeah, enjoy the enjoy the early the early more fall like temperatures before we warm up here for the weekend. Good morning, Mark. How are you doing today? I'm trying to figure out what's going on this week. What is going? Oh, okay. Yeah. You figured it out? Uh, no, I'm working on. It. Okay, all right. Let me know if you find out what's going on this week. That'd be great. Um, but in t- until then, I'll I'll just uh, go on go on about the weather. Now, I did read this. Uh, it is going to be an El Nino winter this year in the United States, and that generally means warmer temperatures in the northern part of the northern part of the country, which would include include Nebraska. The cooler temperatures in the south southeast uh, here. So we'll see. Um, we'll see if that actually comes out. It does feel like winters have been getting generally warmer. Uh, over the last few years, but we'll see if that continues to be the case. But a little bit of a look ahead. We've been, you know, we're due to have Dr. Ken Dewey on. This September is almost over. I don't think I've had him on yet. That's bad. That is a mistake on my part. So what not was your source happen. for El Nino? What is my source for El Nino? You have that prediction? The you'll... NOAA Climate uh, Prediction Center. Okay, because uh, the, the, the real forecast, the Old Farmer's Almanac. Oh, the, says, <laughs> the real one. Yeah. It says cold and snowy for us. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sure yours is right. That one sounds probably more. <laughs> yeah, the NOA Climate Prediction Center had a little piece on uh, what the El Nino coming winter and what that has meant in the past. And no, no two, no two uh, El Nino winters are the same, but the big El Nino winter had the warmest winter on record for the U.S. mainland, according to the NOA, even though there were big snowstorms that went along with that. Um, but like 2009-2010 winter was an El Nino winter. And if you remember that one, that was the, that was the winter that the snow like never got off the ground all winter in Lincoln. It was it was terrible. I mean, terrible if you didn't didn't like that. So I'm not sure that we should take too much from that. We'll see. It'll do what it does, but it, we are at the time. I, I just, I mean, I think my main point in even getting to this was with the 90s coming up this weekend again, we will be into October, right, by Sunday. We'll be into October by Sunday. And it's time to, like, we're now we're starting eating days off of fall that are not, that are not hot cider, uh, crunchy leaves, I mean, let you get out all and shop, of the shop for all your chili sweater supplies. chili eaten like none of we are eating days off of that as we speak now when we're when we're still seeing these 80 and 90 degree temperatures right here so i just don't want the middle seasons to be eliminated i want i'm here for spring and i am here for fall in lincoln nebraska and so i want my full springs and falls 
So hopefully that is not something that is going to happen. But I just I was a little concerned when I saw the extended forecast today. Um, all right, let's uh, let's get you updated on what you need to know. Mark, is there anything anyone needs to know here this uh, morning? Well, there's <laughs> still looking into debatable. That. They're still looking into the cause of that um, fatal motorcycle crash last uh, Thursday night out there on Highway 6 by the Waverly exit. Um, They have identified the third motorcyclist who left the scene, so they're still trying to piece things together. Some think that there was some racing involved. Whether it was the cars or the motorcycles, that's still unclear. Well, I think they've got a pretty good idea, but they haven't finished their investigation, so that's underway. Uh, other thing, uh, we've got more from Lynn McNally, Nebraska Horseman. She's outlining the plans for live horse racing going forward at War Horse Casino. Well, actually, it's at the uh, track there. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, uh, as you may have heard in the 6 o'clock news, 80 to 90 race days in, within a couple of years. So. Yeah. Well, I figured if they were going to build that whole nice, you know, that whole nice facility around there and... The hotel that looks over the track, I figured they would try and do yep. it a lot so, out there. I think that was that's, so, that's really a lot cool. of racing. That's a lot of horse poop. That's, yeah, that is. That is. <laughs> They're going to have uh, planning on 900 stalls. Wow. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of, um, um, you know, like a, a kind of a spectator of it. It's been a while since they ran, used to run out at State Fair Park. I mean, that used to be a thing. I, I will admit it. I, I never, I never, Caught a race at State Fair Park. I never went. There. I remember years I never ago did that. getting to one when we were living in, uh, I think, Topeka, Kansas. Yeah, but we went to one at Exarbon. Uh, or in Exarbon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it used to be kind of a different attendance. Kind of waned a little bit with this whole thing, and there were all of these attempts in the legislature to try and boost up that the 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 industry that went along with it, and there just was declining interest. In the whole thing, it seemed like over the years. I wonder if it becomes. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what this new facility just does. What that does to the interest in in the sport, and if there is an interest in it that is like a part. I, I guess somebody would have to tell me who who when it was in more of its heyday here, whether it was here or Exarbon or in Grand Island or where wherever it was. Was that just about it being a spectator event? Was it about the gambling that went along with it? Uh, or not, because I don't have the experience of having, I think it's a little having of, gone to those. A little bit, all of it. But, it, yeah. you know, the, it's, uh, the horse racing industry in and of itself, uh, some pretty good money involved uh, for those uh, yeah. those teams, for those owners. And, I mean, it's basically moved out of the most of the Midwest down into Kentucky, uh, you know, California and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see if they can bring it back with any level of uh, expertise. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have more on this and the sound off today, but guys, it sounds like your favorite TV shows might be coming back and you uh, are not going to have to have to watch only reality shows of like Jojo Siwa climbing across a cliff or whatever that is that they're, that they're doing in that. Uh, Excuse me. Hollywood could not put together Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. Okay, th- th- that's true. Re- you reality can, is doing its true. job. You could tell the writer strike is almost over <laughs> when the NFL season took a turn in the TV show. But a tentative deal has been reached and the Hollywood writer strike after it's been five months that this was going this is on. really only going to affect those uh, shows like the, the late night shows and some of the daytime stuff. Because the actors are still out. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There, there are on, on that's going to be key to this as well. That's a good point. 
Uh, but they can still get they can get going on the seasons that have been delayed, not necessarily filming them, but at least the writing portion of this. But that's a good point. Yeah, the late night shows would be a part of that as well. Uh, Writers Guild of America reached the deal Sunday with an alliance of studio streaming services and production companies. Now, it's not final yet. The board and members have to approve it before the strike officially ends. But like you said, Mark, yes, actors remain on strike. No deal in the works there. But it was May 2nd that the uh, writers walked off the job. Uh, concerned about s- staff on shows, residuals from streaming, artificial intelligence. New terms of that not completely disclosed uh, or not immediately disclosed. That goes along with that. And then meanwhile, speaking of strikes, and you mentioned that one, you got the United Auto Workers one, which is going to be a yeah. that's going to take center stage this week for a couple of reasons. Uh, you're going to have Biden go down there. And get on the get on the picket lines to be with the workers, uh, the unions that are picketing on on that and striking with that. And you've got Trump, who is going to go down there and address them as well. the The day after, I believe Biden's going to be there Tuesday. Trump's going to be there Wednesday because Wednesday is the night of debate number two. It's debate week in America, and Trump again will not be there. He is going to be talking to the union members. That are on the uh, on the picket lines, and so interestingly enough, it's it's kind of an interesting visual here. You've got all the you've got all the Republican candidates who are going to be at this debate. I think it's in California, it's at the at, Reagan Center, at the Reagan Center in California. Yet you're going to have the the presumed general election candidates uh, who are on on the picket lines, or at least near the picket lines, talking to union members about this United Auto Workers strike, both the Democrat and the Republican. In this case, so interesting to see who gets the best, better reception. Better reception It'll be interesting to see if they have the same message or a different message. Uh, what that is, or or do they are they on the same same place on this whole thing? Um, yeah, so you've got that all playing out. But like, and, and you probably saw AOC got roasted uh, by uh, some of the automakers. I I did not see that. I, yeah, she was on the uh, uh, one of the Sunday shows, but uh, she drives a Tesla, which of course is made. In a non-union shop, ah, and so they were giving her a bad time about. Plus, that. you supporting Elon Musk? Then, sure. I don't think they brought that up though. Um, <laughs> but uh, Caleb already mentioned the Caleb already mentioned the obviously the biggest story of the entire weekend. It's really going to be up world. there with with storylines uh, of twenty twenty three. You know what? You know what? It the the Deion Sanders thing is over. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> biggest story in sports, not anymore. Because Taylor Swift got an invitation to the Chiefs game in Kansas City from Travis Kelsey, and the cameras found her right away, sitting in a box next to Kelsey's mom. Mama Kelsey. Mama Kelsey, who never, I didn't think, I mean, in all the shots, it didn't look like she was having that much fun. And I don't, I don't well, know. it looked like some of the pregame stuff she did. As soon as the game was going, she was like all business. Yeah, I think she she's was like, right. she's like, I've seen these touchdowns before. <laughs> it's fine. He'll yeah, have more. I, I don't, yeah. <laughs> uh, they, so he had he had given an invitation to her since he had come to see her in Kansas City when she was at Arrowhead. They uh, they left the stadium together. Did you see the NFL's film that they had of them leaving the stadium together? Like it barely Jack. got their faces. It was Jack. My wife. <laughs> yes, I. 
have you seen? You can end it there. She got home from a hair appointment yesterday, walks in the door. Hey, can we watch football? I was like, I love you so much. I love you so much right now. (laughs) So then I start pulling up. I was like, here are the things you've missed. Here are the videos. Here are the pictures. You enjoy those. I will let you know when the offense is on the field. And she just kept pointing out. She's like, hey, that's Travis Kelsey. And I'm like, as if I have not watched football my entire life. And we have not seen Travis Kelsey dominate the league for a decade. What a... What a gift for you this couple has brought for your own relationship. It's, uh, well, now here's the thing. As a as a Bears fan for well since oh, I went geez. to college, as a That's Bears right, fan, I, I I was very happy to see that she decided during a Chicago Bears football game to no longer be a Packers fan. <laughs> it was not to switch allegiances to to my team. No, it was to She's now a Chiefs fan. She's now a Chiefs fan. Okay. And she loves her some Travis Kelsey. <laughs> and some Patrick Mahomes, who in postgame talked about how stressful it was to make sure that he got Kelsey a touchdown for all of the Swifties. <laughs> you say that? Yes, he did. He said it was a little stressful. He said he forced a couple of balls to him he probably wouldn't have thrown. <laughs> oh, my God. This is, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Uh, like, the... the well, the, the NFL put out this like video that was obviously like whoever took it was like secretly taking it mm-hmm. when when Swift and Kelsey walked out of the stadium together. Yeah, but Kelsey was wearing some ridiculous suit. So too. his suit was actually it's based on a painting for her 1989 album. Oh, brother. Does that work? Do, do, do you have Does, any idea how like, dumb the information in my head is right I, now? He he did this whole thing really. Like, is this thing gonna work? Did he? I mean, I, like, I feel like he did this whole thing wrong, but maybe not. Who who would you leave the stadium with Saturday compared to <laughs> Kelsey true. yesterday? I mean, <laughs> All right, quick. So our our Chiefs fan in yep. Mark Vale. What number is Travis Kelsey? Eighty-seven. Yep. What's Taylor Swift's favorite number? I have no idea. Thirteen. Well, I I know her. The there it is. It's a hundred guys. Uh, oh, put, it is thirteen. Yeah. Did it I is. guess Taylor Swift's favorite number? Yes, you did. I, I didn't know that. Generation collaboration. Look at you go. Jeez. Well, I'd, everything's a baby question from your generation. <laughs> Even I can get it without knowing it. Well, it, not okay. not to outdo the Taylor Swift stuff. Yeah. What do you think of some of the commercials that feature Mahomes? Kelsey and Andy Reid, <laughs> the Nuggies one. Yeah. <laughs> now do it with Nuggies. Like, I, yeah, I'm a little surprised Andy Reid said yes to that commercial. To be honest, well, then you have they're the, like, uh, hey, you like to eat? Why don't well, you do this? Have you seen the one the, where the he Travis draws... Kelsey Pfizer one? <laughs> yeah, but have you seen the one where he draws mustaches on players? Oh yeah, I've seen mm-hmm. that too. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh well, anyway. Well, it, it, it's a great time for. For husbands or significant others who really want to watch some football, especially if it happens to be a Chiefs game, that's say, true. Hey, she might show up. That's true. Yeah. Was, now what? Is it every game now, or what are we doing here? She's got to go on tour uh, to Europe pretty soon, I think. Yeah. So I think the next leg of that tour is coming. Well, and up. she already fits in with that family because she grew up an Eagles fan. Oh, oh, and his brother plays for the Eagles. Yep. Okay. All right. So that was. That was and, and did, did uh, you? Did you notice the uh, the Colorado uh, collapse over the weekend? Uh, yes, we <laughs> we we both, were in, both we were of them. invested. 
both of them. Yes, every that's right. Every major football team out of Colorado had a rough weekend yeah. here. Particular combined score of about two hundred to three uh, between both of them. The, the, uh, the donkeys lost by fifty. Yeah, <laughs> you know you're a Chiefs fan because you call them the donkeys. But <laughs> here we are. But we talked about like eight other football games. Nebraska football though did get the uh, win. Uh, with a weird weird weather delay when the game was pretty much decided, and I don't think anybody really wanted to come out and finish that game. Kind of felt like... Here's but. the thing. Yes, I'm I'm Nebraska media, and yes, I'm a Nebraska fan, but coming out of that weather delay, I saw enough people write their game recaps in that hour. I said, let's get funky. Come on, Bulldogs. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, well, didn't you? Weren't you in the same situation? I didn't write it during the... Oh, you were, you wanted them to be taught a lesson. No, I, I yes. I, I started watching other games. We started no. trying to name everybody on the Nebraska football career tackles list. Um, all of the thousand-yard rushers. It was a fun time up there for, for all of us. Nice. Very good. I'm glad you had to, glad you had a good time. <laughs> uh, and Nebraska volleyball did what Nebraska volleyball does last night, which is uh, sweep a conference opponent who's ranked and who beat them last year. So, Crushing dreams. It was good. It was good. It was kind of a ho hum type of sweep, which I guess is good when you get to for, that point. For as close a, as those those sets were, it was ho hum. Like it was, it was like okay, they're they're kind of tight. Things could go the other way. Like they were after, just like, eh. I was like afterwards, I was like, that's really a pretty, that's a, a really good win, but. I don't know. They kind of just took care of business. Yeah, just yeah. It's kind of how it, how it felt. All right, there you go. That's what we got going on here on this Monday morning, September twenty fifth, twenty twenty three. Uh, do up on the show today. We'll uh, talk a little bit more about that Nebraska football game. What in the heck happens next for this offense? That's the big question everybody's got here at this point. Do we have an open segment to just call my wife and let her break down we what could, she got that, from the Chiefs that, game? If we need to do that, we could do that. <laughs> Eight o'clock hour. We'll have Tim Haruza join us talking Nebraska news and politics. Also, Mike Schaefer will join us as well. So that's what's on tap at 625. You'll listen to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on KLIN. Love KLIN? Tell us why with a voice message in the free KLIN app. A look at news from both inside and outside of Lincoln and conversation on how that news affects us here. It's time for the Sound Off on LNK Today. But first... Fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right, it's 6.37. Welcome back. Before we get to the sound off, we've got to do some Fantasy Huskers business. First of all, we need to uh, award a winner from last week. Our quarterback rush yards. Uh, I'm going to guess it was it was one of the higher picks, Caleb. Uh, yeah, if you went to the extreme, which Mark did on Friday morning, took the highest pick at 139 yards, and he didn't even get all the way to it. Yeah. Because you had, now Jeff Sims went in for one play and lost two yards, so your net for your quarterbacks, 157 157. So, well, as, 155, I guess, if you take away the 155 with but. a net. Either way. Either way, once again, the extremes win <laughs> fantasy Huskers once again. Uh, so, we now reboot, start all over, and give you another opportunity to win the gear and the pizza from Alumni Hall and Valentino's with a new question. The question this week is going to be how many first downs? How many first downs does Nebraska get against Michigan? 
Interesting loaded question. Now, our friends from Iowa, Caleb, got, was it two first downs? Two first downs. In their game against Penn State. That would be, you would think, an extreme option to select in this thing. Uh, But we'll see. We'll see. I think you'll be a little low with that one. I hope you'll be a little low with that one. But anyways, wherever you want to go with it. But to get the pick. And I'll let you know, Nebraska does have 76 first downs on the season. So divide that out by four games, and you get about a little less than 20 a game. Yeah. Okay. So uh, <laughs> this is, this is a, actually a really good one, I think. This could, be a, this could go a lot of ways. So, uh, but you got to, to get the pick uh, to answer that question. You've got to qualify first through our keyword, and that means you got to text our keyword into us right now for this first pick. The keyword, Caleb, is jackpot. Jackpot. J A C K P O T. Jackpot. Send in the word jackpot on the text line to 402 479 1400, and you may be the winner of the first pick and get that coveted spot to set the first number in this, and then have a little something extra right in on the game on Saturday. So there you go. All right. It is time to jump into our sound off today, Caleb. So why don't we uh why don't we do that as soon as I get everything here organized like I need them to be. By the way, coming up we will have a little bit more from Caleb and me on the Nebraska football game at 7:10 this morning. Um there's obviously a lot to discuss. It was just kind of a eh game sort of, but the the questions, the discussion I think you're going to hear a lot is going to be about this offense and how they exactly how they exactly cobble together some yards when they start playing better and better defenses here and which quarterback do they do it with. That'll be a big topic once again for this week. But uh, let's get into the sound off right now. Uh, we touched on this in the opening segment, but the writer's strike may be over or in its final hours before being over right now as a tentative deal reached over the weekend. In an email to members last night, the Writers Guild of America wrote, we can say with great pride that this deal is exceptional with meaningful gains and protections for writers in every sector of the membership. So for nearly five months now, writers and later actors have halted Hollywood seeking pay hikes for streamed content as well as increased job security. The contract still has to be finalized and eventually ratified by the Guild's 11,000 members. So writers have been advised not to return to work until this deal is done. No deal has been reached. No agreement has been made yet for actors. So writers have been encouraged to remain on the picket lines in support. All right. So there you go. Uh, That is that's the situation now. So the writers, it sounds to me like they're on the verge of having that one over. But like she said there, like Kayla mentioned, the actors strike still going on. Uh, And so you're not going to have everything back to full production in Hollywood and for your favorite shows, movies, those sorts of things until they get both of those things done. But maybe one will kind of trigger some movement in the other at this point. All right. Other things going on. Speaking of strikes, uh, the United Auto Workers strike is one that is now it's been getting bigger. And obviously it's been what week over a week now since this thing got started. And this one is going to get some attention from people who will be running for president, especially over the course of of the next year, starting with the sitting president right now and then a hopeful uh, challenger to the sitting president later this week. President Biden will be in the loop on efforts to end the United Auto Workers strike. But this week, he plans to join those workers on the picket lines. Is that a conflict? 
Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg on ABC's This Week said he doesn't think so. The president, this administration, we are not at the the bargaining table, uh, but we are with workers. President Biden calls himself America's most pro-union president ever, but another potential candidate seeks UAW backing as former President Donald Trump will meet with workers as well this week. Gernal Scott, Fox News. All right, and that will be... uh on the night of the Republican debate, which he will not be participating in. We'll have more on that here in just a second. But as long as we're talking labor issues, add another one, albeit this is a smaller, more localized one, but it it is something that you probably want to be aware of, given how long the, the lines that I see at almost every pharmacy that I go to around town, CVS workers, pharmacy workers, in Kansas City said, uh, we've had it with our working conditions, and they said, we're done. Pharmacists across Kansas City called out sick to protest corporate moves they say have forced them into working 10-hour days, often without breaks. The Kansas City Star reports are saying all that work is putting patients at risk because it increases the chance of mistakes with prescriptions. And it's not just in Missouri. USA Today reports in California, a recent survey said 91% of pharmacists say there's a lack of staff needed to ensure adequate patient care. And the Ohio Capital Journal reports pharmacy workers have been quitting en masse due to burnout. But CVS has said it strives to uphold the highest standards of patient service. Jill Nato, Fox News. I'm curious to those of you who are listening who regularly pick up prescriptions, which I think most people probably do, um, where wherever it is that you do that, is there always a line? Is, are you? That's that's been my experience. One hundred percent of the time. Oh, you too. Yeah, a hundred percent of the time. And it doesn't matter if it's in person, like like inside. Right. I guess. Yeah, yeah, inside or drive through. Yeah, I mean, I I will about fifty percent of the time I go to pick up a prescription. I'll look at the the line in the drive through and I'll say uh, I'm going to find a different time to do this because there are there are two lanes, uh, four cars deep with that thing. And I'm like, that's that's about that's at least a 20 minute wait, probably more than that, too. So th- th- I just I note that not necessarily. Well, maybe related to this whole thing. And, and this was in Kansas City. This isn't necessarily happening in in Lincoln, although it sounds like it may be a concern that pharmacists have around the country. It just, it seems like there's more demand. It's weird. It's weird with uh, how the businesses open sometimes when you're like, how some of these open so many of them, and we've talked about it with a bunch of them, you know, joke about car washes and vape shops and those things, and it fe- feels like there's way more supply than there would be demand, or at some point supply would outpace demand for those services, but like a pharmacy Again, that's why I asked the general question, if I was the only one who has this experience or if everyone does, it feels like there's always busy and there's always demand Mm -hmm. for that. Um, So anyway, nonetheless, I just thought that was an interesting interesting side note to this whole thing. Uh, Also, the government is trying to, uh, well, some of them are trying at least, to stop it from shutting itself down at the federal level. And they got a week to figure this out. We'll see the House of Representatives try and pass some of their individual spending bills. The House has to pass 12 of them total, but so far, Republicans have only passed one. Speaker Kevin McCarthy hasn't ruled out a short-term spending package to avoid a government shutdown and keep the government open until the end of October. While Republicans are struggling to find the votes to pass a conservative package, some, like New York's Mike Lawler, 
Mueller, has said he will work with Democrats on getting a bipartisan bill together. Senate leader Chuck Schumer has said a short-term bill is the way forward, but he wants it to be bipartisan. In Washington, Ryan Schmelz, Fox News. And obviously on Sunday, they invited the uh, both sides on this thing to the talk shows and had them sort of give their perspectives on um, what they want to get into this legislation to actually make this happen. Mm. To get at least a continuing resolution done, Arizona Democratic Senator Mark Kelly says Ukraine aid must be part of it. There's bipartisan support for this in a CR providing funding uh, for Ukraine. Texas Republican Congressman Tony Gonzalez reacted to a continuing resolution plan from House Speaker Kevin McCarthy that would address border issues. Gonzalez balked at that. Continuing resolutions don't solve the problem. They just kick the can down the road. Both on CBS Face the Nation. Congress has less than a week to keep government services going. Saturday is the day a deal must be done. Grinnell Scott. Fox News. All right. Um, we touched on this earlier, but Wednesday night, another debate uh, in California between the Republican presidential candidates, minus one. So far, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Vivek Ramaswamy, Tim Scott, Mike Pence, and Chris Christie look like they qualify. They need to have at least 3% support in two national polls and 50,000 donors in 20 states. Fox News anchor Dana Perino was one of the moderators of the second debate at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in California, and she told Fox and Friends this time around, candidates need to show they can be former President Trump's main rival, as he's far ahead in the polls. And their donors Donors and supporters need them to have that kind of a moment because if they want to try to take on Trump, this, the field has to consolidate. And after this debate would be when that happens. Fox business anchor Stuart Varney and Univision's Ilya Calderon will moderate the debate as well. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. Right. Can any of them be, be, a, be a true rival to yeah. him? I, don't, I mean, I don't think so. And that actually includes if he's convicted, right. I think, on any of these crimes. Like, I don't. I don't think so, because that doesn't seem like something that is going to drive a lot of people away from him. I mean, I don't need to explain that to people. I think they understand on which side they're they're on on that whole thing. And, like, again, who would it be? Like, who is... There's no one who's like, man, I can't stand Trump, and I really like Ramaswamy. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, right. nobody... Say, that person doesn't... I don't think exist. No. Because Ramaswamy himself likes Trump that much. I mean... Uh, he's, I think, pretty clearly angling for something in the administration. I think that's that's one of there are only two things that are happening with with these debates right now, and it's not to see who's going to run for president, like to actually be on the ticket as labeled there for president. It's to see who can potentially be a running mate, just be part of the administ or be part of the administration, or the other part on all this is simply raising your national profile for post 2024. Yeah. Like yeah. That, oh that, yeah, absolutely. Like none of absolutely. none of these debates, especially with Trump not there, have anything to do with who is going to be the presidential nominee for Republicans yeah. in 2024. It's yeah, I just I, I can't I can't figure out, you know, I can't figure out a scenario in my mind where his support changes within the party. Now, yeah. I don't know what happens in a general between him and Biden. The only thing I I do think is that if either party would would submit someone else who's a good candidate that they would probably win against Biden or Trump, whichever they would do it, but they're, I don't think that's going to happen. Seems like a really I, good way to, to cash I, in on a lot of independence, I, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like if anybody, if either if either party sent someone else, they would be in, in decent shape 
depending on obviously who it was. But I think there are people out there that could put them in better shape. Uh, This is, uh, let's see, got a couple of minutes here. This is kind of interesting. So the United States has collected samples from an asteroid uh, that, by the way, years, 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 decades, uh, centuries down the road could be one that might impact the Earth fairly closely. But this is the first time anything like this has ever happened. Take a listen. This concludes a seven-year, roughly $1 billion mission that spanned over 4 billion miles in space. When a robotic spacecraft was about 63,000 miles from Earth and released this capsule carrying samples from the asteroid, it touched down in a designated landing zone in Utah, fully intact. Engineers estimate it contains about a cupful of rock and dust collected from Bennu, an ancient asteroid that scientists believe has existed for more than 4.5 billion years. The collection sample marks the largest amount of extraterrestrial material ever returned to Earth for analysis, and this is the first asteroid sample collected in deep space by the U.S. Wow, that's um, that's something. Yeah, this thing lifted off in 2016. Orbits Bennu in 2018, collects the sample in 2020, sets off in its lengthy return trip back to Earth in May 2021. It traveled 3.86 billion miles and back. Mind-blowing. Okay. That is crazy. (laughs) Uh, Just to get this little, like, cup of this this whole thing. So they're actually going to have a NASA broadcast at Johnson Space Center on October 11th. Uh, to give details about what they found out about the sample. Um, and I'm not sure exactly what. The, uh, analyze the rocks in the soil for the next two years is at a dedicated clean room inside of Johnson Space Center. Send it to labs around the globe at that point. Some of it will re- remain pristine and stored so future generations with better technology can learn about, uh, f- figure out what other things that they can do at this point. So uh, kind of an interesting deal to, to follow along there, yeah. what they're going to find in this whole thing. All right, we're going to uh, grab a break. Uh, we are going to hear from Tom Stanton next. Yes, he's got another Tom's Talk coming up here. Tom's Talk coming up next, so stay tuned for that. We've got 54 degrees in the capital city right now. A little bit more Husker football coming up. We've got Tim Ruza later. we got Mike Schaefer later. We'll count down the five things that you're talking about later as well with the morning drive. Right now, you're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. Time for Tom's Talk on 1499.3 KLIN. It was the final day of August when Hurricane Adalia came roaring into Florida's Big Bend area with winds of 125 miles an hour and leaving behind a trail of destruction. In the days prior to the storm, Florida officials had anticipated the damage would be significant, including massive power outages, so they put calls for help out to utility companies from across the country. Now, one of those calls was made right here to Lincoln Electric System, and they were eager to do their part and help people who would be in the dark for many days. Trade Raider is a supervisor and one of the LES crew members who answered that call. I spoke with him upon his return to Nebraska to get some insight into the challenges his crews faced and also the satisfaction they get in helping people many miles from home. Now, Raider and his crew gathered up their equipment they would need and loaded up trucks on August 29th and began their three-day trip to the Sunshine State. 
Their first stop was Tallahassee. They didn't have much for us on the day that we arrived. We did work one day for them. We ended up getting picked up by a company called Suwannee Valley Electric, and it's a cooperative just inland from where the uh, hurricane come through. Lots and lots of tree damage. Probably the worst I've seen in 29 years of my service here at LES, and I've been to a lot of storms. All of the LES crew members are cross-trained to safely restore power wherever they are needed, from large transmission lines to overhead and underground neighborhood lines. He tells me they needed to rely on all of that training and experience. It seemed like every road that you drove down, country road, there was an uprooted tree on the left and the right. And you know as well as I do, when those come down, they're typically close to power lines, and um, it just causes mass destruction. In the area where they worked, Raider says 26,000 of the 28,000 customers of Sewanee Electric were without power for several days. And with so much destruction... There was no shortage of work to do. We got up every morning at 5 a.m. and then we put in a 16-hour day. Typical day would be get up and we'd grab a little breakfast and then the guys were fueling trucks, uh, getting material, talking to our bird dog at Swanee and, and making sure that we're on the same page about where we're going. And, um, and then we, we head out. And-, and despite the grueling schedule and the amount of damage they had to deal with day after day, Raider says... They made it through with no major issues. Just a testament to the guys and the way they work and the safety measures that they take. We didn't have any accidents, incidents, no injuries. We just worked safe and productively and very efficient down there. Some of those folks that we got to there at the end, you know, they'd already been out for eight days. So um, we were glad to go down there and help them out. Now, Raider says one thing he'll always remember from this trip is the hospitality they received from the local residents who were thankful for the help they were getting from Nebraska. A lot of the neighborhoods that you would go into, they would have baked goods for you, any kind of drinks that you wanted, um, Gatorade, pop, water. They actually made pretty much a whole full meal for us one day and brought everything over for us. So the guys was appreciated of that because kind of get tired of the box lunch and uh, cold sandwich. So that was kind of a nice treat. Raider tells me he and his crew also benefited from the assistance of the federal government. FEMA was set up there, so... We had the whole FEMA thing on their grounds, which in a sense is kind of nice because they can do your laundry there. They also have meals for you in the morning and in the evenings. They have showers for you. So that was one thing that was kind of unique for this, especially for some of the newer LES employees to experience that. Raider has traveled all over the country throughout his career, providing assistance to people who need it. He was there for Superstorm Sandy in 2012, and LES Cruz most recently offered a hand restoring power in Florida in the wake of Hurricane Ian in 2022. He says there may come a time when Lincoln may need that same kind of assistance. You never know when Lincoln may have a major disaster. The last one I was involved with when I was pretty young in my career was the 97 snowstorm here in Lincoln. And you just never know when you may need that help. So it's it's nice to reach out and uh, go help those folks that need the help. LES will be reimbursed for all of the costs associated with the resources they provided through the American Public Power Association Mutual Aid Network. Hear Tom's Talk Saturdays at noon and Mondays at 6.55. Or listen to the podcast anytime at KLIN.com. Live from...
from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. All right, welcome back on a Monday morning. 53 degrees in the capital city. Glad to have you back with us. 25 minutes away from the countdown of the five things you're going to be talking about today with the morning drive. Tim Bruza, 8 o'clock hour, talking about news and politics. Mike Schaefer as well to talk about this uh, this Husker game. Uh, a win against Louisiana Tech. Uh, um, I don't know. I, I hate to go to the cliche, but it wasn't pretty. It was It was a grind. But on the other hand, these are games Nebraska has lost over the last several years at times. That specific game, um, they didn't this time. They found a way to win that, and that alone, I think, is okay to celebrate as an accomplishment at this point, even though even though there are clearly things that need to be better. But you got to get out of there with a win. They did that, and now they look ahead to the number 2 team in the nation coming in. And Caleb... Just because of the nature of the position, the questions this week are all going to be the same once again. What do you do at the quarterback position if you are Matt Rule? Mm-hmm. On one hand, you've got Jeff Sims, who I assume... Now, now, did he ever clarify? Did he say... I know Sims, obviously... I mean, he went in for a play, but he obviously was available if needed but was it? Did he say he still wasn't a hundred percent? He wasn't a hundred percent. He wasn't able to make the runs okay. that they needed. Um, and the only reason that he ran in for that one play, Heinrich Harburg lost his helmet. Chuba Purdy is doing the signaling, and so he was set to be the backup for the day. But he was signaling, and because the helmet came so off for a short term, and, and, and you needed to run somebody in right away. Jeff Sims had his helmet. They said, "Hey, run in. You're going to hand the ball off." Okay. Well, there was a miscommunication on the play. Anthony Grant went one way, he turned the other way, and then it turned into, well, just hang on to the ball because you're about to get hit. Yeah. Uh, which I'm sure that coaching staff was like, the one thing we didn't want him to do was get hit yeah. on the one play he ran out there. But that's why he ran in. And then out of the weather delay, Heinrich Harburg had gotten a little bit tight and had cramped up a little bit. So that's why Chubba Purdy finished out the last couple minutes of the game. Okay, so it, it, assuming that Sims, and I don't know, maybe he won't be a 100%. Uh, there, there's no way of me knowing. But if, if this thing progresses and he gets to the point where they're comfortable at him playing, if you're Matt Rule, Caleb, what do you do now with with this uh, situation? Now that you've had a chance to see Heinrich Harburg in two games and you've got to see Jeff Sims in two games, albeit you could argue Jeff Sims had the more difficult competition in those two games, but what do you what would you do if you were in Matt Rule's shoes with that position right now? Well, it's it's so tough because on the one hand, we have to weigh that Matt Rule has been pretty adamant about like it they. They, he Sims he likes Jeff Sims. Yeah. And so you're not going to lose a job over an injury. And that's kind of, that's in general. That's not something with a staff. But I don't think Heinrich Harburg has done anything to say, you have to play me. Like, he didn't set the world on fire. He managed the games really well. He also had several instances where he missed guys on throws. He actually made made the wrong read at times in the option game. Um, he turned a, a wrong read into a touchdown yesterday, too, that 72-yard yeah, touchdown uh, run. People are going to respond by saying, hey, look at his numbers, though, rushing the ball. They're huge. They were they were great. 
Yeah, so, look at his passing numbers, though. Yeah. Like, like that, that's that's not a recipe to survive over the course of a season with with where his passing numbers are. Now, some of that is it's tough for guys to get open on the the quick routes and anything longer downfield. The offensive line doesn't really hold up very well. The couple of times that guys did hold up enough. Harburg wasn't didn't have the vision where he was looking downfield a couple of times that they could have taken some downfield shots, which has been a place that you were thinking, man, if they could hit a couple guys over the top, and that, that starts to stretch the defense back, makes your running game a little bit easier. So, and, and that was just over the last couple of weeks. We don't know what those defenses look like when the athletes are better, when it is a, a Colorado or a Minnesota, and especially this week when it's a Michigan. So I don't think Harburg has made it a cut and dry yeah, he's won two games. He's the first Nebraska quarterback to win their first two games as a starter since Tommy Armstrong back in 2013. Interesting. Huh. Uh, at least from what I found. If, yeah. there, if there was something different in there, I didn't find it. But So you have the part of, yeah, he stepped in and he won, but it was against Northern Illinois and it was against Louisiana Tech. How would a healthy Jeff Sims have performed against those teams? I don't know. I don't know how one to one how Heinrich Harburg would have performed at Minnesota and at Colorado either. So I think when when you get to what this staff is going to do compared to what I think either of us would do, I like somebody who's been under center and they've won ball games. Like level of competition out the window, they've won with Heinrich Harburg. But I know the staff is really big on Jeff Sims. That's the guy that they brought in. I think the leash is shorter because you haven't seen the backbreaking mistakes with Harburg. But I don't yeah. think it, it, it's cut and dry that that you've had one guy just run away with it just because the other got hurt. I mean, it's hard because the thing I said, if I'm going to stay consistent to what I said before the Northern Illinois game, I said, you play the guy who doesn't turn it over. Well, Harburg's got just one, one. right? In just two the games. One. Yeah. one in two games, which is arguably one that was not on him um, completely. So if I'm sticking with that, that's that's who you go with. If, if I'm sticking with that at that point, not to say that you know, I mean, we just you just have these two games where you know what Sims did in those games and you know what Harburg is. Now the difference is that the coaches have practice and pre- just weeks of practice, right? That they've seen of these two guys that I haven't seen. Yeah, there's so much more. I mean, besides the game film. That they are able to see months of it compared to what we're able to see across four Saturdays. The, well, yeah. Three Saturdays but and a Thursday. I agree with you. I think they will go with Sims if they feel like he's at 100%. Yeah. I, I think that, but I don't know. That's not based on inside information. That's just reading between the lines of what they've said. I think if you see Harburg starting, it means that Sims, they still don't feel comfortable that he can probably run the ball like he he needs to. And if he can't run the ball, he's not a dynamic enough passer for them to just say, hey, sit back there and just make these quick throws. What I don't know, what I don't know is, well, and then the other thing is they're going to, I mean, they'll probably consider his experience, right? Uh, In in the whole thing, too. Just just his experience in college football, in in big games. Yeah. Um, But, all of that said, the thing I don't know, that I think I feel pretty good that that's what the decision will be. Um, but the thing I don't know is what you referred to, and that is at what point do either ineffectiveness or turnovers happen and you say, okay, we're going we're gonna to try the other guy. We're going to give the other guy a chance now. Now we're going to – like, will that – 
where is that line <laughs> exactly? And they probably don't know. I mean, they probably don't have a defined line. But there's going to be like you know, if if you if if Sims turns the ball over in that first quarter with a bad interception or something, it's going to be tempting. Mm-hmm. It's going to be tempting because you're going to you 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 just can't turn the ball over if if you want to have that Michigan game. You know, be close at the end. Yeah. If you want to have a shot to winning it, have your to set up your defense to win the game for you. The one thing, the one thing the offense can't do is turnovers. Yeah, and it's going to be so tough on where that line is when you talk potential turnovers or ineffectiveness because the offense right. as a whole has shown whoever's at quarterback it can be fairly ineffective at times, no matter who the opponent is. So let's say Jeff Sims does take I know Matt Rule doesn't like to get into hypotheticals, but we have to. Let's say Jeff Sims does take care of the ball, just the offense does nothing for right. three quarters and the defense is playing lights out and you're going into the fourth quarter down seven to three. They won't make the like, change. Like then. you're you're not making a change yeah, there. I, I, yeah, you're not making a change down fourteen to three going into the fourth. I right? agree. So so it, as it, long as it's not turnovers, I think you're right. Yeah. So so if the turnovers don't happen in such a backbreaking way that they set up the opponent to immediately get points, and that's what hurt ultimately hurt Nebraska at Colorado. It was yeah. that those turnovers happened that they took points off the board for you, where Nebraska was in field goal range. Or they happen in a place where Colorado goes, I can see the end zone from one throw. Yeah. So that yep. th- those are the things. It's going to be really tough to to make that decision and, and pull somebody. If you were able to get all the way to the end of the third quarter with Jeff Sims and he had multiple turnovers over the course of that game and not make a change, granted that was before you had game film on Heinrich Harburg, I, I still don't know how how long of a leash there's going to be, what that line is ultimately going to have to be crossed for this coaching staff to make a change if both quarterbacks are healthy. Yeah, uh, And then the larger picture, what's the old adage about how to win games, run the ball, stop the run? Well, Nebraska, sixth in the nation in rushing offense, first in the nation in rushing defense. Um, yeah. You know, and again, the the rushing numbers, you know, I mean, they are what they are based on some long quarterback runs for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think of the third quarter, too, they made some adjustments in that running game coming out of halftime. And Anthony Grant had some holes to go through yeah. during that second half. I was actually impressed with how the running game looked, the tailback running game looked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're seeing that, halftime adjustments. Half. Yes. Yeah, it's nice. I, I agree. So can you... I mean, and and Michigan's a stout stout run defense, not the best run defense in the country. That's here in Lincoln, but <laughs> a very stout running defense. But man, yeah, this game is going to be if the if the defense can do what they do uh, against that Michigan Michigan offense, and again win the turnover battle, m- maybe you've got a shot. But I don't. It is hard to see that offense. Putting up a lot of points, the Nebraska offense putting up a lot of points. It yeah, is, it's just hard. It's hard to quite figure out exactly how that happened, given what we've seen. And I and I want the defense on the other side to get a turnover that's not in garbage. Time. Yes, yeah. Like like it, it's it's nice. Yes, they they won the turnover battle on Saturday, and the week before they got it to even. But at some point, they're going to need a takeaway in the first quarter. They're going to need a three t- games in a row. They've had a late turnover that was yeah, yeah. They're they're going to need a takeaway 
opening drive second half. Yes. Something that that sparks the team and momentum and is a way to flip the game or completely keep it on your end as opposed to they've kind of been when there's nothing on the line anymore. Yeah. And for as great as this defense has played, number one rush defense in the country, which then means they've got to throw it on some of these really dynamic and athletic defensive backs, they, they're not taking the ball away. It's just a giant missing piece for what can take this defense to the next level because as soon as you start taking the ball away, besides getting stops, that is super deflating to the other team's offense that they're not able to score and it's not like they were able to punt and put you deep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so we will again. Uh, and, and Michigan's gonna. Michigan. Michigan will try and run the ball too. I mean, they're mm-hmm. they're not they're not. I mean, they they can bat. Their quarterback is getting some NFL love now, but uh, they've they've still got Blake Corum, who come coming into the season was thought of as one of the best running backs in the nation. Harbaugh's back now, right? Harbaugh was back last yeah. week, I think. Uh, he is back after his uh, self-imposed suspension, where the players act like he died. <laughs> yeah, they had to do some <laughs> in memoriam for him, like a moment of silence for him. Uh, <laughs> he did he just not not dead, just suspended. So it's that's that's good news, good news for them and all of us, I think. But we'll see, we will see. Big game, big opportunity for Nebraska. Yeah, it's it's what you want. You want the opportunity in front of you. For for a team that now you're two and two, you got to find a way to get four of the last uh, last eight. Yeah, and that, that that's your chance at a bowl game. Go five hundred. Yeah. Oh yeah. If you if you could somehow pull this upset, that would be. Pr- pr- I mean, number two team in the nation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be it would be a huge huge deal, but huge task. Your role uh, right um, now is spoiler two thirty kickoff again this uh, this Saturday. 10.30 pregame here on KLIM. A high of 92. Oh. Christmas. Alright, it's 7.24. We'll take a break. Caleb's got to check the sports coming up next on KLIN. Get the news and insights. It's a source I can trust. 1499.3 KLIN. It's time to count them down. The five things you'll be talking about today. This is the Morning Drive. Presented by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management. On 1499.3 All right, without any further ado, let's get it started today with number five. Four games down, eight to go, two wins down, four to go. If Nebraska wants to get in a bowl game in a long time, they haven't been. Louisiana Tech, uh, old uh, Stukenholtz uh, (laughs) said it best. Huskers battled Louisiana Tech, many media timeouts, and an almost hour-long lightning delay. They still pulled off the victory 28-14. It did seem like there were a lot of media timeouts. There were a lot of TV commercials during that game. And they were coming quick. The first few possessions, you had a media timeout on every change of possession and a timeout in the middle of one of the drives. It felt like a lot. As a matter of fact, it felt like a miracle when you had consecutive possessions between the teams where there was not a media timeout. I learned a lot about the Wendy's menu during that game. <laughs> Breakfast and lunch. It makes the... And I know, obviously, there was there was a weather delay in there, and I'm not out in the elements like a number of other people, but still, at the stadium, the in-person experience, the game can just drag when you get a play and a media timeout. And yeah. then you come out, and it's a kickoff. Oh, and now it's a change of possession. Media timeout. Yeah. Yep. 
Uh, anyway, but as, uh, Caleb and I broke down the, the offense situation pretty extensively uh, here already. Nebraska did what they need to do to win. Uh, so they got to 2-2 two and two through these first four games with Michigan next and... You get through, you know, you you get past Michigan. I'm not saying you win against Michigan. That'd be nice, but uh, Nebraska obviously have the underdogs in that game. But you you get done with that Michigan game, and then Caleb, you've got you got a lot of games that I don't know quite what to think about because what what are you going to say out of the I guess those nine or uh, seven from that point after yeah. Michigan? What are the four most winnable games on the on the schedule still? Well, you no, for sure you would have said Northwestern, but they're now you know went they just went and beat Minnesota at Nebraska, that Nebraska couldn't. Um, I think uh, Purdue and Lincoln probably. The last time we said Purdue was a winnable game, they Scott Frost said that and he got mocked for it. So yeah. I got to be careful there. Um, Michigan State on the road mm-hmm. probably is three and may. I mean, I'd like to pick a home game, but I think Maryland, Iowa are the other home games, and so they're those. Those are two of the better teams. So it's it's probably then that road game against Illinois with how they've looked so far. And I'd actually so. say Iowa looks fairly winnable just because their offense is. And now, yes, Penn State, one of the best teams in the country with their defense, but still, it's, Iowa has not looked good. I mean, it it sounds like a bunch of. 14 to 12 games is what it sounds like. And you just got to be on the right end of it. Yep. Is what it really sounds like. But nonetheless. Now, which quarterback gives you the best chance to get to 14? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Ask me after this week. <laughs> and then maybe next week, too. Uh, also, volleyball team. Oh, um, another sweep of a ranked team last night. At it's, home, it's, Minnesota. Start Big Ten. Yep. And as I talked with John Cook uh, last Thursday... And I said, hey, you don't really get to dip your toe into the water. It's nice that you get them at home, but it's just a couple ranked teams in the conference play and just goes and sweeps them both. Yep. Yep. <laughs> what, what are you going to do? This team, 11-0, playing really, really well. I'm excited to see the rest of this season, obviously, but no seniors. Yeah. you got to remember, zero seniors on this team. Right. Uh, their next match is Friday. And they'll be at number nine, another ranked team, number nineteen. Yeah, just today. another one. No seniors. You know the response to that. What's so what? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I mean, uh, th- well, that—that's me not saying. Yeah, oh, there, there's I no know. H. That's me saying, bring them all back. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right. <laughs> number four. The mayor, Larry Gaylor Baird, has repeatedly declined to say whether she asked former police chief uh, Tracy Owens to resign. Uh, she did abruptly schedule a meeting with the chief just the day before her resignation. Uh, Andrew Wegley with Journal Star had a very long and extensive article and, and kind of chronicled uh, Tracy Ewan's uh, time here in Lincoln. It, it was in yesterday's Journal Star. Yeah, so get, so according to Wegley's uh, look at this, and he got this right from basically FOIAing some of this stuff. Is that yep. right? Freedom of information requests. There were several uh, things that they did not provide, citing personnel or attorney privilege. But basically, the mayor had a meeting scheduled with Chief Ewens uh, and then abruptly moved it forward one day. Uh, and the next day, the chief was gone. So you know what's interesting about that, Mark? <laughs> That July 19th was a Wednesday. That was the day that they sent the calendar request, according to Wegley's article. Right. She was on our show that morning. Yes. You asked her. And, we, I, and I asked her several things about the chief. Um, well, they, that was the, the 
about the Chiefs' decision about the media briefings, I should say. Not about more generally, but about that decision, I guess. And she she had the Chiefs back, basically, at that point. Apparently, between that interview and that afternoon, (laughs) when the the calendar invite was sent, something changed Um, on that. Because less than 24 hours after the meetings meeting happened, she resigned without uh, without any explanation further than that. So, I, I mean, I guess I don't know. We still, you know, we still so don't there, really know about the meeting. But there was a lot of criticism from uh, on the media briefings, including a fairly pointed Journal Star editorial. Yeah, and and uh, I heard from some people that listened to your interview, and they were not particularly happy uh, with the uh, mayor's response. And backing the chief, and then it, yeah, and then it, it appears, and again we don't know the details, but it appears something changed um, yes. after after that. So yeah, interesting. Take a look at that article. Good, good journalism there by uh, Andrew Wegley, getting some more insight on that. Number three, in LPS. It looks like this year students paying more attention to their teachers, uh, their eyes facing uh, forward the uh, chalkboard whiteboard instead of at their cell phones. That new cell phone policy seems to be uh, you know, working out pretty well. Yeah, um, again a, a piece on uh, on this in the in the Journal Star. I, at the high school level um, I I can't believe this wasn't always the policy. And I'm not I, I, just, I just assumed it. I assumed it was so I was surprised when I had my son was in high school and I found out that he could have his phone with him in the classrooms. Uh, that's since changed. He's no longer in high school. Um, and I, I'm glad it's working out because it seems like the right thing to do for yes. me. I, I'd be curious to teach. I assume the teachers like this too. Um, I, I think they've got to, well, at the high school level, they have to what, leave them in the locker. They can do it in passing periods. Yes. Um, they can use their phone. But in middle school, like where my daughter is, you can't have it out at all during the day. So that's the only way that you can that you can actually have it out. So, but I would get, you know, I would get texts from my son throughout the entire day of the high school school day. I, I assume that won't that won't be happening when my daughter yeah. goes to high school in a couple of years. And I think that's again, I think that's probably the right thing to do. It was still odd to me, although I know plenty of teachers in districts where they don't have this policy, and so they've found ways that just utilize those cell phones a little bit of something like a kahoot or or they're just doing kind of different quizzes and things surveys so so they try to utilize it in a few different ways but it was still odd because like my gen like my generation and then the years around me were when you really started to see people and teenagers with cell phones on them yeah like I, I got a my sophomore year of high school is when I got a, a cell phone, and I got mine after I graduated college, <laughs> my first one. So. Uh, so, so I had that, but you were, <laughs> you were ostracized by like you were the teachers were upset with you if they saw it at all in yeah. the school building. So it, it, it was amazing to me that in the little over a decade since then. That it had gone so far to being just a, a common practice that everyone had their cell phone on them and was using them at all times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm glad it's working out because it, se- it sounded to me like it was the right thing to do. Having been a, a parent under that policy and just hearing about it and hearing from teachers, I was hoping it would be 
successful, and it sounds like early returns. It's only still a couple months, a couple weeks, a few weeks actually into the school year. But, but they did have that pilot project last year. In, at, in, yeah, at some, Southwest, right? Yeah, I believe it's, uh, and it seemed to work very, very yes. well. So yeah, that's why they adopted it. Moving on, number three. Oh, come a month or so ago, we talked about mountain lion sighting over in the Omaha area, what three or four times. Uh, now one sighted up in Valentine, but even out on the golf course with the tournament going on. Yeah. And so uh, they had to uh, dispatch the lion. Yeah, they, yes, they did. They, it was on a trail camera crossing the eighth hole green on Tuesday morning while um, you had a golf tournament for middle school girls going on there at the Frederick Peak Golf Course in Scotts Bluff. So, yes, they... In, where? Uh, Valentine. Valentine, I should yep. say. Why did I say Scott's Bluff? I have no idea. My bad. Uh, in Valentine. I'll get west of the Haymarket. It's all I, did, I don't know where. It's I all have, there. For- I have no idea why I had Scott's Bluff in my head there at that point. <laughs> my my apologies. But they said it was... They said the Game and Parks Commission said this is their policy on these things. It calls for mountain lines that are within city limits to be removed. And they don't use tranquilizer guns because the tranquilizers can take a few minutes to take effect. And the animal can escape. Um, zoos typically won't take a wild mountain lion because they don't do well in acti- in uh, captivity either, and so they made that decision, which may end up being a controversial one. I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure, but this does remind me. And ten eleven, or excuse me, uh, not ten eleven, but uh, Nebraska Examiner mentioned that uh, there haven't been any more sightings in Omaha. Remember in Omaha, yeah, when the, this one keep, I assume one kept showing up, kind of by the interstate at, on those home cameras. There really hasn't been any more of those so that lion must have moved, moved on. on moved on moved. looking for some female companions yes that's what we uh that's what we suspect might have been happening with that one so all right uh let's finish things up number one speaking of looking for some female companionship and uh being high without taking any drugs uh, travis kelsey seemed to be on top of the world he scored a touchdown chief's victory over the bears Seven catches, 69 yards, and <laughs> maybe he's gotten a girl. Uh, WG, well, first of all, the Fox broadcast. Yes. Uh, a lot of uh, shots of uh, his mother with a guest in the suite. Uh, Taylor Swift showed up. Yes. Uh, she was invited by Travis Kelsey, and they were seen leaving the stadium together. They were. And that I didn't even see this till this morning. The paparazzi of the or someone or people on the street got pictures of them driving Kelsey driving her in a com, uh, convertible the streets of Kansas City after the game <laughs> as well which by the way how they didn't get tailed completely if they're driving in a convertible yeah in, like two of the most recognizable people in that entire city together in the same convertible and everybody was already talking about them i have no idea how they didn't get tailed to wherever they <laughs> wherever they went which and how that didn't get reported out at this point, but yes, um, she was at, now. A couple of questions here: How do you do? You want to be with uh, if you're the, the person that you might be dating. If you're going to his first football game that you've been to, do you want to be sitting with his mom? See, I heard from I, I saw a lot of stuff yesterday and heard from people that at no point in the early stages of dating, let alone like a first-ish date or something like yeah. that. Do you want to be stuck in a room with their mom and for the, hours, and even if the, it's at a football game? And the person, the person you're dating, not being there as kind of a buffer. Yeah, yeah. Like that's gutsy. 
on Taylor's part, I guess. Oh, for sure. So, it I doesn't mean, matter your level of fame. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're chatting the entire time with mom and... Uh, no, I, d- I doubt that. I think mom was pretty focused. Yeah, mom looked... Mom, did, <laughs> mom didn't look ever like super... Everyone else looked like they were having the time of their lives up there. So that's Mom how, looked super focused. Mama Kelsey looked in pregame a couple of the shots they got up there. She was she was laughing, having oh, a great she, okay, time. Okay, good, good. As soon as it was business time, Mama Kelsey was business. Oh, and, yeah. and, you, and you saw on the, on the touchdown... Even Taylor Swift, everyone up there, yeah, they're yelling. They're, they're, it, from reading their lips, some obscenities. <laughs> they're banging on the windows, Mama Kelsey. It's a golf clap and then two soft taps to the window. <laughs> She's like, yeah, I've seen a few of these. Yeah, what is the – they must have to clean those windows pretty extensively <laughs> after every game. Everybody's banging on Looks the like windows. Looks like you're in the front row at an NHL game. <laughs> How many – they were pretty – like the picture showed like there were people in the stands below them that were pretty close. Were there people just taking pictures constantly Probably. in front of them? Like Probably. nonstop? Oh, pictures I and would videos. Think. Constantly. Now, here's the thing. There are some of us that absolutely took advantage of that yesterday where my wife got home and said, can, can we watch football? And I said, a thousand percent, honey, whatever you would like. You, you. Here's the remote I for love you. you so much right now. <laughs> I have never loved you more. Do you want to get married again? <laughs> So she watched the whole game? She watched the whole game. Uh, she, she got upset because she was like, okay, well, is anything happening? And I was like, uh, no, not necessarily. I think they're kind of getting close to the goal line, so they might take a shot to Kelsey. She's like, I don't know what that means. So she walked <laughs> to the porch, and then I had to yell, Megan, get in here. Kelsey scored. How did I miss it? Did they show Taylor? Yes, they showed Taylor. They'll do replays. It'll be fine. You'll see it again. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. It'll be very available for you to see. She loved it, and she started telling me all about how, well, she already did her her rebound with a bad boy, so she's good to make this a a commendable (laughs) relationship, and she's going to go into her athlete era, and I might have to ask you to, can you go join a flag football league this fall so I can be around football fields with you playing? And I was like, (laughs) what in the world? Uh, she's leaving though. She's leaving for uh, her tour again. Yeah, it's world tour. She's go. They do a few more U.S. dates, and then I think they go on a world tour after yeah. that. So I don't know. It may have to be a long distance thing here for a while. As they said on the Fox broadcast, this is good for America. <laughs> <laughs> the economy is finally back. Interest rates held, and Taylor and Kelsey are together. Here we go, I've also been asked for this to be our Halloween costumes, for me to be Travis Kelsey so she can dress as Taylor Swift. God, you're going to do that, aren't you? Probably. (sighs) All right, it's 7.55. (laughs) That is it for your morning drive. You have to change your hairstyle. Yeah, Yeah. I'll I'll put a hat on. (laughs) A helmet. Yeah. Yeah. Full helmet. Uh, That's it for your morning drive, brought to you by Stonebridge Insurance and Wealth Management, 7.55 on KLIN. Listen to the Friday Husker Tailgate every Friday this fall. Presented by Syracuse Area Health, Strasburger Orthopedics on 1499.3 KLIN. Live from the Momo Pizzeria and Ristorante Studios at 44th and O. Morning radio for the entire capital city. This is LNK Today with Jack and Friends on the Voice of Lincoln, 1499.3 KLIN. But first, your fantasy Huskers keyword for a chance at a $100 prize pack from Valentino's at Alumni Hall. All right, it's time for another Fantasy Oscars keyword. 
And uh, by the way, if you do get a pick, this week's topic for you to guess on is the number of first downs Nebraska accrues against Michigan. Number of first downs. Uh, they've been under uh, averaging just under 20 a game. Uh, went right? 18 at Minnesota, 15 at Colorado, 23 against Northern Illinois, 20 against Louisiana so, Tech. In the neighborhood of 20. And Phil DePortley, who got our first pick, said 16. All right. And by the way, that he he nicknamed himself. Yeah, that. I didn't do that. That's not I didn't I didn't do that. Just want to make clear. Uh okay. Uh so that if you want to make a pick in that, you want to make the second pick overall, then you need to text us the keyword and you might get chosen. That pick is or that keyword is first. F I R S T first. First. There you go. Text us that keyword if you want the pick. And if you get if you get it, we'll text you back and you will make it. If you don't, don't be sad. You have another chance, 635 and 810 tomorrow and every day this entire week. So there you go. All right, time for Tim Haruza to join us right now. Good morning, Tim. How are you doing today? I'm well, Jack. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. I am sorry to the listeners that we've got to break up the Taylor Swift talk uh, with Travis Kelsey. I, I guess we don't have to. Do you have any? Do you have anything you'd like to add? Any takes on this that you would like to add to the whole thing? I'll, 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 this is like totally unrelated to the entire conversation about those two. I mean, I find it, in, I find it fascinating, all of it. What, what's hit me the last 12 hours or so since it went viral on social media and Twitter and such is that when you start scrolling through like your social media and it's all talk about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, you start. To, I start to get ads for like other things related to Travis Kelsey that I just don't care about. <laughs> like, like the algorithms. Like, I feel like I feel like as I get, maybe it's just because I'm getting a little older. I'm starting to pay attention more to those things. But the algorithm is not working, guys. Like, I have no interest, no interest in Travis Kelsey specific pictures and stuff like that. But because Taylor Swift is all over my Twitter uh... feed, my Facebook is showing me pictures of him and his brother and uh, i don't know whatever oh my god not like some travis kelsey scan here yeah uh, yeah anyway uh, that's my digression but you know what good for taylor swift she'll be back on tour in a week and she'll move on to the next guy right yep uh well we'll see we'll see because she, like she's going out of town for a long time here pretty soon so i'm not sure how that's gonna work she's out but going out of country man yeah uh, when do the Chiefs play in Europe? When do they go? Oh, to they play in. The, it's before. I, I already looked that up. Actually, they <laughs> before she she, be in London. That b- day? No, before <laughs> she goes international, and the first part of the international tour is South America. Anyway, so that's not gonna. I checked. Uh, anyway, <laughs> sadly, Jack is trying to figure out if this is it. Is this gonna work? I mean, America seems very excited about it. The, I think it's boost. It's boosting the economy. I think. What What is a bigger television spectacle? The royal wedding oh or Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey. Oh, my gosh. Or, Here? Or Taylor Swift's wedding to anybody. Yeah, to anyone. Uh, that's, a, <laughs> that's a great question. That is a great question. We need that fully televised. We need, we need everything. Uh, I know some people would strongly agree, disagree yesterday. with that. Uh, Can't wait to see the ratings from the Chiefs game yesterday. Right? <laughs> they get the T-Swift boost. Oh my gosh! Uh, yes, Caleb had the funniest stories about his wife being all of a sudden very interested in Chiefs Bears, uh, which is it was phenomenal. It was just hilarious. I saw the tweet. Oh my gosh! Uh, all right, let's talk. Let's talk about some non-Taylor stuff here, as the people probably want. Um, although I don't know how much there is, I, I it did get me thinking when there was all this hubbub, kind of about the the pink postcards and the property tax. 
things and and me talking to a couple of people here uh i mean i talked to the mayor about this i talked to to you i talked to joe jordan about it others just kind of like is this is this going to change anything in terms of what the localities do in terms of how they tax i i feel a little skeptical about that as as we get into this next legislative session are there going to be any kind of new conversations about how to if property taxes need to be addressed in another way other than the state basically urging taxing authorities not to spend as much money i assume they'll be out there but are there new ideas are we batting around the same ideas that have been around for years where do we kind of stand on this whole discussion right now i will tell you that like in my world there well first of all uh rewind to about a month ago or so i don't even know if it's quite been a month um the governor has set forth the task force task force uh, that's working on, you know, some senators involved, some stakeholders that are looking at valuation approaches, right? The, the property tax, as everybody knows, is a two-part equation. It's the tax rate times or multiplied by or applied to the assessed value of your house, your business, your farm, your uh, whatever. Um, the task force is looking at the second factor there. So, We've, got, we've had a whole bunch of legislative approaches over the years that have discussed the tax rate part, whether we cap it, whether we cap growth. Um, last year, there was a lot of discussion, and schools looked at it, um, and there's some provisions in, in state statute now, and that's where you're seeing these postcards that talk about when budget growth exceeds certain amounts or when you know tax rate growth exceeds certain amounts and you get revenue coming in that's bigger than it was the year before. Now we're going to start looking about at the assessed side. So how are we valuing your house? Are we comparing it to the recent sales? Are you comparing it? Like, what are we doing there? And I think there's something that's going to come out of there. There's a ton of, like, rumor and guess and speculation. I think it's probably too early to talk about what that could look like, Jack. But I, it's probably going to circle back to some of the main key things we talk about on an annual basis, which are, hey, my agriculture land, my agricultural land is valued at, you know, it's based or compared to what people would pay for it on the open market, but really it should only be valued at what it's actually worth in terms of the income it can produce, right? That's an ongoing topic is income production. There's going to be something on this assessment or valuation side. What it looks like or what direction it takes, I think is too early to tell, um, but there will be legislation, I think, that, that comes forward on, on looking at this because as you're seeing with um, with the discussion surrounding property taxes and the pink postcards and all of that, taxes still go up. The amount I'm paying is more next year than it was last year. Um, that is that is the way it is. Uh, and as long as that continues to happen, people are going to be frustrated with their property tax bill. So look for some sort of legislative proposal. It'll look it'll probably look evaluation. And then you do have there's a lot of discussion right now among senators and among the lobby and among others about kind of what the what the repercussions of the Southeast Community College discussion will look like, yeah. right? The, we're going to increase the levy. And I, you mentioned it before, but the, the governor sent a letter to all school districts, too, for the same reason, right? Let's try to put some political pressure on um, these elected officials to, to kind of keep the levies down and, and not take the windfall, so to speak, right? Uh, whether or not that happens, if that doesn't happen, if you see a lot of school districts that go higher or... You know, the Southeast Community College going higher while they're getting kind of hit by 
senators and, and stakeholder groups and interest groups expect some legislation in response. Like that's just kind of the way these things work. So I, uh, I know hearings are getting started speaking of the, the next session. Uh, and we're still obviously always out and we'll be talking about this plenty as we get closer, but just, just early indicators is, is next year going to look like last year did in terms of, um, you know, for lack of a better term, the cultural war issues, legislation on those dominating reaction to those dominating. Do you kind of see that on the cards again for this year? Well, it's, the subject matter is not going away. The topics are there. Um, you mentioned hearings. Uh, I mean, we had in the first hearing of the of the interim session, we call it. But when the legislature's not in session and they're in they're in the interim period between sessions. Um, back in July, we had one on kind of the education issues, right? The CRT yeah, right. and um, those sort of things. I don't know what's going to come out of it, but expect something to come out of that. That's high, pretty high profile. Just last week. Um, and you saw it in the news a little bit too, but the Republican party had a kind of a discussion round table. I don't remember a town hall. I don't remember what they called it, but the Republican party had one about the sports and spaces act, which is the, the discussion about transgender athletes in schools and, you know, bathroom use and private places, uh, in school buildings. So that bill is still out there. Senators have vowed to prioritize that and push it this year. Um, I, that, that town hall meeting, I think was last week, there was some hubbub over whether it should, was going to be at Southeast community college and then it was moved to the GOP headquarters. And, um, there's a back and forth between a couple of interest groups and senators, um, on social media and, and one of the papers or some of the papers picked it up. That topic is going to get pushed. What, you know, how, whether it's treated the same or whether the same strategy that was used this year as employed is yet to be seen whether there are rules changes. Um, I expect some rules changes to get proposed. What those look like is still kind of being penciled out, I think. Um, I've heard some rumors and rumblings. I haven't seen anything at all. So expect there to be a discussion about rules for some period of time at the beginning of session, and then how far those rule changes go probably dictates sort of what the strategy from the the people who oppose those big profile, high-profile issues is. I'll be honest with you, Jack, because of the nature of the topics that are on the table, I, I don't think it's going to be an easy session. I think it's sure. going to be a difficult one. It's going to be a shorter one. They only have 60 days. Um, things change a little bit because you start with some bills that have already been introduced, had their hearings, so you can start work on them, more work on them earlier in January than you normally would. And I think that changes the dynamics a little bit, but if, Without some some major rules changes, some policy changes, it's 14 hours to pass a bill, um, and it, there's no way to do that easy if people don't want it to, and if there's, like I said, some aggressive, cut off debate approaches employed. Hey, we got a lot of uh, <clears throat> a lot of elections coming up in the Nebraska Senate House. Uh, seats. We don't have a lot of candidates yet, other than the incumbents. Uh, although we do have one yeah. now. You got uh, an independent Dan Osborne uh, is going to challenge Deb Fisher for her seat. Uh, steam fitter and labor leader Dan Osborne, U- U.S. Navy, Nebraska Army National Guard veteran, and so uh, he is going to uh, sound like he'll he'll be going forward with interesting timing too for a, a, a very pro labor candidate to get in, given you know everything that's going on right now. Um, but I guess it's about time to start figuring out, right, exactly who is going to be, if anybody is going to be challenging some of these incumbents, right? 
Hey, from top to bottom, Jack, now is the time when people are announcing. I mean, we're seeing it in the in the local legislative races. You got announcements for the last month and a half, two months. People are doing announcements, um, vying for open legislative seats. But, yeah, Jack, I don't know the last time, and that'd be an interesting statistic for one of the, the journalists to look up, or I'd probably Google it and figure it out. The last time Nebraska had all of its congressional seats on the ballot yeah. um, with two United States senators, and all three Congress people running for election. Um, Deb Fisher's got a challenger. I think the the race I'm I'm most watching or most interested in is what is what will Charles Herbster do, right? WWCHD. Um, <laughs> is he going to throw his hat in the ring and challenge Ricketts and and put more money in the pot, or or will that go go more smoothly than that? Or you know, will there be another challenger against Ricketts that pops out? Uh, who was the last person running against Ricketts? Was it was it Kleb? Uh, um, was Scott did Scott Kleb run against Ricketts? No, he, no, he no. ran against um, no, no, he ran for. Did Scott Kleb run for United States Senate at some point? Yes, no. he did. Um, yes. And now was I mean, it against Johans? Like that, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. I otherwise, yeah, it's Charles Herbster versus Ricketts, and then we had a primary and. We'll figure it out. Unless the Democrats come up with a, another strong candidate. Oh, Kleb ran for Congress against Adrian Smith in the House. That's there you go. Yeah, I don't I don't know if he had a Senate bid, too. But ben Nelson and Ricketts was the knockdown drag out for Senate in, like, what, 2007? Man, I mean, um, this is a weird way to think of it, but, boy, if Herbster jumps in that race, the, the economic impact of that <laughs> compared to him not is pretty significant in this state. I mean, just for, because I'm, so much money is going to be spent on that thing. Right. For campaign yeah, expenses yeah. and ads and yep, all of those things. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, mean, I mean, we are also, Jack, we're only, what, six or seven months away from the primary. I mean, I know it's hard to think about, but you get into May of next year, um, six, seven months away. Yeah. and. Now's the time to kind of get running and going if you're going to go. I mean, somebody like Charles Herster probably has enough name recognition that you can wait a while. Those filing deadlines aren't for a little bit yet. So um, you can probably wait a little while, but you you want to start. And maybe you do the strategy ahead of time, but you want people to kind of know, start yeah. building some momentum and figuring it out. So. And then I guess the other interesting question are who, I mean, I guess I think it's fair to ask, will the Democrats put anyone up in all of these races? Um, I assume they will, but you know, will they be people that have any kind of name recognition at all at the outset, which is probably a fairly small group as it stands, but that's the other thing we can wait and see. So that is a discussion that I have heard come around a couple of times lately in, in different groups. Yeah. And that is the, when the Democrats don't field candidates that are, you know, have some name recognition or have a history in politics that aren't good candidates you have like some tough situations and some opportunities that blow by, like, you know, mm-hmm. the, the auditor situation a couple of years ago with Charlie Jansen, and there's maybe an opportunity that opens up there and the, the name on the ticket. And I don't even, uh, don't even remember who it is. I'm sure a very qualified and respectable candidate, but just hadn't had the fundraising and the name and the, the get up to go and try to take a run at that. And you just, those are some missed opportunities and maybe it's going to take a, an opening like that or a situation like that to get a Democrat a chance at some of these offices because they definitely don't have the don't have the advantages statewide um, like they used to. Yeah. I think 
the, to the focus has turned definitely to that 33 vote threshold in the legislature. I think from the yep. state party side, that's the focus. Yeah, and I should I should add. I didn't. Tony Vargas has is has said he's running against Don Bacon, so that's one of those. Yeah. So there there yeah. is that one. So, all right. Hey, great to talk to you, Tim. I appreciate it. Uh, we will check in with you again ne- again next week. Have a good one. All right. Sounds good. Take care, Jack. There you go. Tim Haruza on K Today with Jack and Friends. It's 826. Take a break. We have sports coming up next on KLIN. You're listening to Lincoln's radio home of Husker football, men's basketball, and baseball with a little volleyball and women's hoops thrown in. 1499.3 KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, it's 837. Welcome back. Quick traffic note from Chris Lofkin, Time Saver Traffic, South 56th Street, south to normal. Avoid the area of possible possible car pedestrian accident. Oh, my goodness. Uh, on South 56th. So be uh, aware of that. You might want to avoid that here this morning. Uh, Mike Schaefer joining us now from uh, Husker 24-7. Good morning, Mike. How are we doing this Monday morning? I'm not doing too bad. I'm wondering, does this uh, does this uh, good feet store does that take away sports paint? <laughs> That's a good. Now that would be a product. That would be yeah. a product if we could do that because you and I would be uh, we would both have endorsements. I think for that one, if necessary. Yeah, I mean, especially if they make some with with inserts, so I can I can utilize them when I take slider for. For his, you know, post Vikings loss walk, his favorite moment of the week, my lowest moment of the week, the sad walk through the neighborhood. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for you. Uh, I've experienced pain too. Anyway, um, nonetheless, nonetheless, hey, okay, let's talk about something positive then. Uh, 28-14 against Louisiana Tech. I think um, I, I, I've already heard some of the stuff that you've done after the game um, kind of characterize it, I think rightfully so, as just kind of a grinded out type of game. Um, but one, I mean, let's be honest, Mike, this is a game that it, there's baby steps here. This is a game that they're not always winning over the course of the last 10 years, right? And so it's, I mean, this is definitely not saying everything's great, but I can be okay saying, hey, they got the win in this game here at that point, and we're going to move on after that. Yeah, I think it would have felt probably a little bit better had things ended before that that kind of rain uh, stoppage and weather stoppage because you had Louisiana Tech grab another 90 yards after that. It makes the statistics look a little bit different. They scored that touchdown. You'd be talking about a three-score win versus a two-score win. I mean, I, it felt like at one point when Nebraska got the ball back before the weather stoppage, that they were just going to be able to run it right down Louisiana Tech's throat yeah. sort of finish that game with another touchdown the way they did against Northern Illinois. And I feel, you know, it doesn't really matter, but I think people would feel a little bit better about things. But this is this is kind of the central point in all of it. Like, this is sort of what their wins, I think, are going to feel like for the rest of the year. I mean, you get the, the cathartic nature of they won the game, but you're going to have to, like, watch most of it with one eye half closed and, and everything else. Like, yeah. they're just not going to be an aesthetically pleasing team, which is completely fine. Because I think what they are and what they can be is a tough team and a team that's, you know, going to be difficult for these other Big Ten West teams on their schedule to play uh, as we move into the conference portion of the season. Obviously, Michigan is up next, and that's its own kind of bear. But I, I just feel like you have to, to kind of look at this and think that there's a recipe for them to win games. You keep the points down. The quarterback run game allows you to kind of move the ball 
and you got to be good in, in special teams and, and key situations. And I think for the most part, they have been this year. I'm, I'm not waving the panic flag here on this thing, but the defense didn't quite look as solid as it had really the, you know, either of the first three games. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing was the, the tackling just, the tackling was, had been so solid. It was so dang pleasant to watch that. You had a few missed tackles that hadn't cropped up. They weren't quite getting the quarterback pressure. I think Louisiana Tech schemed around, schemed around that a little bit too. Um, you had some injuries, I know, that went along with it. But I don't know. Is there any, like, do you assess this defense a whole lot differently now than you did before this game as they go in and are kind of going to need to be the key to pull off wins in the Big Ten season? No, because this, it kind of goes back to what I said. I mean, going into that stoppage, I think Louisiana Tech had a grand total of, what, 225 yards. Yeah. So, I mean, I you know, prior to that last two drives for them, Nebraska had really kind of taken the wind out of their sails, and they had sort of one drive in the game where they, they had amounted anything. Now, I, I felt – I haven't gone back and watched. I'm not always the best at rewatching games, but I felt while watching it live, Nebraska did not send extra pressure. Like, they largely only sent their three down linemen to five, sometimes six Louisiana Tech uh, players. And what they were trying to do with a young quarterback and Jack Turner that hadn't played a lot of football, they are basically just trying to have him throw into mistakes. And so they had a kind of a soft hang zone uh, at times. And so they just, they weren't, they were sending three and leaving eight back. And so a lot of it, you know, they forced Louisiana Tech to throw short of the stick. And the tackling wasn't as good as we've yeah. seen. I mean, that that was really kind of the one, the one thing that I took away from it. Some of that, you know, you didn't have Mackay Bear, you didn't have Luke Reimer. Um, some of it is just that's sort of Louisiana Tech's game. Like that's that's kind of their offense. They they make their living that way. That's Smoke Harris. So yeah. um, I I'm not too concerned about it. Uh, the concerns that you know I have relative to Michigan have nothing to do with with the tackling and everything else. What I'm mostly interested in. Is this run defense has been so good, but can it be good against a team like Michigan that's going to highlight its running game yeah. in a way that maybe these other teams have it? Now, Louisiana Tech averaged 181 yards coming in, and Nebraska completely stuffed them. Minnesota ran all over multiple opponents since they played Nebraska, but those, you know, they haven't faced an offense and an offensive line quite like Michigan yet. And so that's going to kind of be the, the telltale okay, they can really be this good at run defense. Or a little bit of it has been based on the opponent. Yeah, uh, it's, it's interesting you said. I was saying earlier to Caleb, you know, the old uh, the old adages, uh, run the ball, stop the run, is the kind of the formula to winning games. Well, I mean, Nebraska's sixth in rushing and first in rush defense. So if that's true, uh, championship. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what championship they're going to be playing for, but, uh, uh, but they, trophy or whatever at the end of the year. But it will be interesting. I mean, in honest, in all honesty, it goes to the point that you just made. You were wondering about how that run defense shapes up against a team like Michigan, as opposed to who they've been playing. How much are they going to be able to keep those those numbers in the rushing and rush defense game? Um, where where they are or close to where they are at that this point when the competition changes um and and when you are continuing to have limited options on offense as well but yeah right now people might be surprised to know nebraska leads the nation in rush defense sixth in the nation in rushing offense here at this yeah point. well and it's, i mean they've certainly emphasized uh, both sides of it and they, you knew that coming in like that was none of this is a surprise in terms of what matt rule has done when he's been successful at other places, he yeah. likes to run the football and he likes, you know, his, his defensive fronts have always been disruptive. 
And so Nash Hotmacher coming into his own, Ty Robinson continuing to get better. Um, those are big things. If you can get Cameron Lenhart back and healthy and able to play against Michigan, you wonder if they just sat him against Louisiana Tech because you knew you needed him against Michigan more. Um, those kinds of things, I think, can help them out. In addition to, hopefully, Luke Reimer, that was just a uh, – he got banged up. He's going to be able to yeah. come back. You want him for that game. Absolutely. Um, you know, Brunts was all over that when it happened. He saw Hutmacher just sort of truck stick Luke Reimer, which is not exactly how it's supposed to work. Yeah. Uh, and Reimer, you know, immediately left and never came back after that. So hopefully he's back. You're going to need him. But, yeah, I'm very interested because one of the things, you know, everyone was very concerned with this three three five, how it was going to hold up against, you know, these rushing teams of the Big Ten. And this is kind of your, your real first big test. And you got a team in Michigan that, frankly, if you can make J.J. McCarthy pass more, and I know he's got like a 78% completion percentage, but that's kind of the area where I think Nebraska is going to, to have to, to try to survive, is if they, can, if they force teams out of being able to run whatever they want, then they have to be able to get off the field on third and long. And for whatever reason, that still remains kind of a big bugaboo. That's a bugaboo. That's a bugaboo. And then, like, there are these plays, and this goes to, you were talking about the style that Nebraska's defense played against Louisiana Tech. There would be plays, Mike, and I'm, I'm watching on TV, so I don't have the large view like you guys do, so I can't tell who's open downfield. But they've got plays where I see this young quarterback from Louisiana Tech running for his life, making like a back foot throw or a crazy throw, and he, he goes in the air right away. I was like, that's got to get, that's getting picked. That's finally going to get picked. That's finally going to get picked. And it just never, well, in guard time it did finally get picked but it still amazes me that like they're just it's you're just not having pass breakups you're not getting picks for the most part even when you're putting quarterbacks in positions where they normally would throw them and i don't know mike is that you think part and parcel a little bit of the scheme that you were talking about yeah a little bit i mean for me the the surprising thing is you would think this scheme would allow your defense to be aggressive when the ball's in the air and so yeah. much of it just feels like they're two, three yards back of where they need to be. Like they're just, they're so soft and it's so conservative because they don't want to be thrown over the top of. And they're just making the bet that, okay, you get a first here, but within the next set of six plays, you're going to be punting. And so it's, it's a really kind of interesting thing because it, it's more bend, don't break, and it doesn't allow for you to just take possession away. But yeah. I, I think some of it is that, they don't quite have the, the playmakers on defense. Like they have competency, but they maybe don't have those guys that are the Nate Garys of the world that are just the erasers. Like I, I always talk about him, but if you go look at what he did in 2016, he took a solid defense and he made it great because he could be the guy that could go pick off the pass. He could be the guy that could rip the ball out of a running back hand. I just don't know that you have enough of those types yeah. of players. So you're just trying to survive with what you have, and I think that's admirable. And I think that kind of speaks to what the season is, too. But if they can build upon that framework, then this defense has the ability to be habit-inducing to an even higher level than what we've seen so far. Although I would say, like, I see Hartzog. This is how I think of Hartzog as a guy, especially looking at last year. He's a guy who gambles for interceptions, and sometimes it's burned him. But he's mm-hmm. like he's. I, I especially thought when you've got him and the style that he plays of cornerback too, you might. And he had what three? He had quite a few interceptions last year too. So that's one of those guys. But your point still stands. It's it. It's got to do with that style. And you wonder if that style changes because they really haven't gotten burned. Uh, they the Colorado play. Uh, I'm thinking of they got burned deep. Uh, Minnesota took a. Tri- They've gotten lucky. A couple of shots. A couple deep. that have yeah. glanced off of people's hands. That you know it feels like. 
they maybe could have given up more yards or another score that way. Yeah. But if you go look at the breakup numbers, I mean, they just don't have a lot of plays where they're getting hands on the ball yet. And that's, that's the next big step for me for the secondary, because otherwise I'm still a little bit worried that they can be picked apart. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I know this is crazy. We're not, we're not, I haven't even talked about the quarterback race yet. And, and part of it is, it's not like, it's not as interesting. It's not incredibly interesting to me, Mike, at this point, because I think, <laughs> like, here's why. I just don't think it's that, it's, it's not a super obvious decision, and I just don't know which is the best choice, and I don't know if Sims is going to be healthy. I think, I mean, I can tell you what I think they're going to do. I think if Sims is healthy, they're going to play him. If they don't think he's 100% running, uh, then they're going to play Harburg, um, and I think that'll be it. I think the more interesting question is how short, when they would make a change back to whoever they go yeah. with. That to, like, to me, that is the by far the more interesting question in, in that, uh, especially if it's Sims that starts. How yeah, long? I, how long? Yeah. I kind of assume that part of why it's not as interesting to you or maybe other people is that, frankly, do we think there's a difference in the offense if one is in right. over the other at this point? Like, I, it sort of just feels like they're both the best player on the offense when they're in, yeah. in terms of, you know, being the guy that kind of has to carry the load, has to do the, has to have the explosive plays. The quarterback run game is going to be the focal point, regardless of which guy is in. It doesn't feel like, you know, one is going to get more out of the passing game than the other, which you should think that it stems, and I do think that it stems, but because he never got these games against teams like Louisiana Tech and Northern Illinois, and it was so bad against Colorado and Minnesota that it's hard to believe that it yeah. stems. Uh, so I, I, you know, I laugh because I, I understand exactly where you're at. It's almost kind of a, like, does it really matter? And so yeah. I guess to me the good thing is if you feel like those guys are largely similar, and you think you still have chances to win games, then you can utilize both of them. You can run both of them, and you can have confidence that you have two of these things instead of just one. Yeah. That's the other reason I don't think I'm too overly wrapped up in it is because I feel like they're both going to have plenty of chances the rest of yeah, the Yeah, you're going to need both. I, yeah. I'd be shocked if, if we don't see starts out of each of them going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, uh, one thing that was that was you referenced this earlier. One thing that was encouraging was the way Nebraska ran the ball, not necessarily with the quarterback. <laughs> it was crazy how open those options were when Harburg scored. But the way, more than that, the way that they ran, the offensive line had holes open for Anthony Grant in in the second half. It it feels to me, Mike. I'm I'm interested in what you think about what kind of his role is going to be. He's playing the majority of the down. It's still clear they don't feel they don't they're not going to give Emmett Johnson a lot of carries. They're not comfortable there yet. He's young, um, but. What potential, like, what does a Grant game look like, or what should a Grant game look like in terms of how much they're using him now going forward? Because I felt like when they started running it at, in the third quarter like they did and it was working, I, I was like, you know, the typical Nebraska fan, I was like, why were you not doing this at the beginning of the game? Once again. <laughs> Same you, know what, you know what's fascinating about that, and i got to give credit to Michael Bruss for pointing this out, they've gotten better every every second half running the football and they've made adjustments at halftime. You yeah. can see, but you can go back and look at like, okay, they've changed things. They're blocking differently. They're tar you know, like they, they have a better understanding coming out in the second half, almost every single time now of how they want to run the football. So that should make people feel better because one of the hallmarks of the Scott Frost era was that you weren't getting adjusted. Like what the game plan was, was the game plan. And if the other team adjusted, Oh, well, you know, here we've seen pretty quickly on both sides of the ball 
they've got veteran coordinators that have adjustments and they tend to play better in the second half, which again is a thing that should make people feel good uh, about sort of where this team is at and early on in the, the Matt Rule era. As for Anthony Grant, I think it's going to be a lot of the same. You know, I think it's going to be largely dependent on what the push is up front. I thought the offensive line had a so-so day. Uh, it was pretty rough early on, particularly uh, for Turner Corcoran, who, again, mm-hmm. I love him. I think he should be a guard. He is not a tackle. We yeah. have so many games of evidence of him not being a tackle, and yet he has to be a tackle. So um, until, you know, I, I just don't have a lot of confidence that they can just line it up and run however they want early in a game. But I do have confidence that with the quarterback run game, you have enough ways to stretch defenses that it at least is going to help open some things up for Anthony Grant, who I am, again, if he gets 15 to 20 touches a game, I am fine with that. Like, I don't need I don't need him to be Derrick Henry with, like, 32 carries or whatever. Right. Um, but he is someone I want to have touch the ball quite a bit because once you get beyond the quarterbacks, He's probably the second best playmaker in terms of a home run play in the offense right yeah, now. Definitely. Maybe, maybe Kemp. Uh, we haven't quite seen it yet for the, for a big play, but I like how they're using him now in the red zone. I think Billy Kemp is going to be more interesting going forward. Uh, but I, I think you've got to get Anthony Grant those touches because, you know, one of them got called back, but when he can bounce that big run, he has a nose for these kinds of things. Yeah. And I know it gets infuriating because sometimes he dances a little bit too much, so I think that's better than it was last year. He just is one of these guys, and that's why I, I kind of just didn't want to write him off, uh, that, that kind of just has the, the ability to create an explosive play. Yeah. And that's valuable in an offense that lacks a lot of those guys. Yeah. He just can't get hurt. <laughs> well, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. that's you got to put him in bubble wrap in between every game. Yeah, basically. you got you've got to be a bell cow and also not get hurt. So yeah, yeah. great. That's a that's a great situation. Oh, no, by the way, here's the Big Ten schedule. Yeah, right, exactly. With Michigan coming in right away to start things, start things off. All right, Mike, great to talk to you. Looking forward to having you back in uh, for the Friday Husker Tailgate Michigan edition when we will delve more into that Michigan game as well. Hey, we got a big game here. Home crowd should be fun. Hopefully we feel that way after the game is over on Saturday. Thanks so much, Mike. We'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me on. See you. Mike Schaefer, Husker 24-7. Take a break, 855. Get you ready for Tuesday next on KLIN. You're listening to LNK Today with Jack and Friends on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, that is it for the show. Thank you for joining us. Thanks to Mike Schaefer, Tim Hruza, both for joining us tomorrow on a Tuesday morning. John Baylor, voice of Nebraska Volleyball, is going to join us. Jason Ball from Lincoln Chamber of Commerce. Joe Jordan from News Channel Nebraska. Fantasy Huskers keywords as well. Busy day. Have a great Monday. We'll see you then. 9 o'clock, KLI and Lincoln. <laughs>